morning, good morning. Ain't it a great morning outside? We're going to be talking about gardening, folks. I'm horticulturist Felder Rushing, and you've tuned in to the Gestalt Gardener, a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. I'm your host. Uh, we've got a fantastic uh, program lined up just talking about gardening. My producer, the laid-back Java Chapman. And uh, today on what I call the state fair version, or maybe it's a harvest moon version, I'm not sure, but we're going to be talking about things you can do here in the push in the middle of October in the deep south in your garden. Uh, we're gonna, it's a live program. If you want to give us a call, talk about whatever's on your mind, anything at all, either I know it or I don't. If I don't know it, I'll try to look it up or somebody help me out. But anyway, here at Mississippi Public Broadcast, we try to bring you interesting infomercial stufftainment stuff. And we're going to start out by talking about gardening after a little bit of news here on the Mississippi Public Broadcast. Because talk gardener. Let's get dirty. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's Felder Rushing, and we're talking about gardening for the next little while. You know, give us a call. It's, it's toll free, it's a live program. Uh, you know, NPR has programs all over the country, National Public Radio. A lot of them are taped, though. I'd say most of them are taped, but here at MPB, you get the live stuff. And, uh, you know, you can listen to it later on podcast. But, Java, this is, you know, I don't know any other NPR system in the country that does local programs there every weekday. Well, a couple of them do, but nobody nobody does it quite like we do it. No, they don't. <laughs> no, they don't. And matter of fact, uh, there's a lot of folks that that uh that uh, you have here that you know you you're the producer for several programs. I have one I want to ask is it Thursday they have creature comfort? Yeah, every Thursday at 9 o'clock, Creature Comfort is Libby Hartfield, Dr. Troy Major, Kevin yep. Farrell. Yeah, well, you know, uh, Libby Hartfield, she's, the, I guess, the director of the uh, Natural Reti- Science. Retired. Oh, that's right. That's right. I've known her forever. I can't, you know, <laughs> I, I, I keep forgetting where, like, ooh, calls are starting to pour in. And uh, Troy Majors is the, uh, the vet I've taken my dog to a long time. Before he was famous, he was just Dr. Troy. <laughs> but anyway, I have a question. I was walking in this morning. You know, I try to walk whenever the weather's okay, and a squirrel almost beamed me with this big pine branch. And I'm thinking, why do squirrels chew the ends of branches off of pine trees and my yopon hollies? Why are they dropping stuff on the ground? There's got to be a reason for it, and I want to ask Libby about that. Well, we'll bring it up uh, on on Thursday. Okay. I also stole some berries. I showed you this little cluster of uh, little golf ball sized cluster of magenta purplish berries. It's a native plant called American Beauty Berry, and they're all out in the woods right now. So, anyway, I'm really enjoying this weather. Uh, you know, state fair weather. They got all sorts of stuff going on, um, and we're going to talk about that. I've got uh, some events that are coming up. I want to talk about those too. Uh, a couple of emails, um, some things I've noticed as I walk around town. Real excited about some things that happen in the gardens. But uh, talk about your award. Don't I be bashful. Don't be. Don't be bashful. Okay, you know, I I, I wasn't sure if you're going to go there or not, but uh, yeah, we've got uh, the state fairs going. I entered a plant. I try to enter something every year because it's a just a local uh, flower show, and I did manage to get a nice little award. Sorry, Bill Taylor, I got it this year. You got it the past five years in a row. Hey, but but before we get into that, you were asking me about something that's one of your neighbor's yards, and the first caller today looks like has the same thing. Let's go, let's just jump straight in and talk with Susan calling from Jackson. Hey, Susan, what's up? Hey, Felder, how oh, you doing this morning? So far, so good. You got mushrooms. 
I do. We have this beautiful old oak tree in the uh-huh. backyard. Been uh-huh. there a long time. And all underneath that oak tree are these beautiful little clusters of small brown mushrooms. Yeah, ja- all over. Java. What did you just show me a picture of? I showed you that exact picture, a little brown cluster of mushrooms. <laughs> yeah. Here's, here's what's happening. Uh, as wood decomposes, you know, wood doesn't just sit there. It rots. But what it doesn't actually rot is eaten by bacteria, fungi, roly-polies, things like that. And fungus is the most important, uh, Susan, decomposer out there. So you've got some dead roots or some old uh, some branches or, you know, something out there is decomposing and fungus is doing it, which is a good thing. It doesn't hurt anything. And when the weather's right, the right temperatures, the right moisture, the you know, things are just right. A fungus looks like little microscopic threads sends up its version of a flower. That's what you're seeing. Fungal fruiting bodies. They're, they're their version of a fungus flower, and it just says you've got something out there that's decomposing some old dead roots or something. It's okay. Okay, so the maple is probably okay, though, then, right? I mean, it's all underneath it. Yeah, well, that, in- that, that means that there are at least some dead roots out there. You know, maybe some twigs that fell down and got bare, but it's more likely that, that there's been some root damage from staying way too wet part of the time, way too dry. You know, and old roots die, new roots grow just like branches. As long as the uh-huh. plant looks okay, then that's just selling some of the older roots that have died some time ago, probably last year, year before, are being slowly decayed, which, again, is a good thing. And the conditions are right for the fungus to say, I'm here, I'm happy, I'm having a great time. Oh, good. And, and it won't, they won't hurt my pets. They won't hurt my dogs. I haven't it's, seen them eat them. It's, anything, it's, it's not likely. Uh, it's not likely that that pets will eat them. Uh, a lot of mushrooms are poisonous, so you know, a fewer edibles. Some are, are poison. Most of the time, pets won't eat them. But if you're not sure about, it, take a rake and just rake them. They they're made out of mostly water and air, and they'll disappear pretty quickly. You know, you can mow them or rake them, but you basically just break them off, and they'll decompose real quick. Okay, good. Thank you, Felder, okay. so much. Hey, thanks for asking me something right off the bat that I know. Yay! <laughs> you know everything. So well, I, there's, there, I, I will say this. I, I By a long shot, I don't. But, Susan, there are some things about gardening and horticulture I wish I didn't know because they, they, they give me nightmares. And, uh, oh. You, you know, <laughs> I, and certain kind of weeds. I see certain weeds popping up. I'm thinking, ooh, I wish they wouldn't call me about that because there's nothing we can do about it. Anyway, relax. Enjoy the mushrooms, Susan. See you later. Now let's uh, before I get into some other stuff. Let's I got a special guy on the uh, line named Bob Bruzak. Hey Bob, how are you, man? Hey Felder, good morning. Roberto, to you. Roberto Bruzak. Yeah, in the house in yeah. Starkville, Mississippi. A beautiful morning here. And you sent me a picture. You've got a shed out back, and you uh, made the roof a little bit of a slant, and you planted a bunch of stuff on it. Why? I did. Well, actually, you inspired me. You uh, had a green roof, uh, a beautiful green roof done at your place, and I thought, man, I can do that. <laughs> and, you know, uh, Robert Poor, landscape architect Robert Poor, did one with native plants in Jackson, and it is just, you know, there's just uh, like a uh, an arbor out in some woods not far from where I live, and it's completely covered with all sorts of native ferns and, and cool stuff. Yeah, I've seen that, and that's a beauty. That really is. Uh, you know, at first, when you think about it, you think, well, how can I do that? How can I make a green roof? And you, you start looking up some things. It's got drainage layers and plastic barriers. Did you do all, all that? Kind of stuff. I didn't do that because <laughs> I, I started thinking about it, 
And I thought, you know what? It's just a window box on stilts. Thank you. That's and, all it is. It's, a, it's, it's, it's a, a, a big flat container. Yeah, and I can do that. You know, I've done that a long time. So it was fairly easy after that. I just put down a big plastic barrier and uh, you keep know, you it from rotting your roof. Yeah, some, some sturdy supports uh, for it because it, it does get pretty heavy, but. Uh, you know, I just plugged in some really drought-resistant stuff. I got some grasses in there and uh, some succulents. I saw some little. It looked like little agaves or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we got definitely some agaves and some hesperallos. You oh, hesperallos. Yep, yeah, yeah. They look like agaves. Yeah, and uh, uh, crocosmia. <laughs> these are plants that you can grow in a cemetery. Dead people can grow these things, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good for me because well, this, I can kill a rock. One of the I things mean. that one of the things I've done. You haven't seen this. I need to send you a picture of it. One of the things that that I did on, on my green roof is about a third of the way from the top, of the third of the bottom. I put a little one by four board, press treated board, to sort of step it down so in the heavy rain everything doesn't slide off. <laughs> I terraced it. But here's what I did. I saw this at a flower show uh, a couple of years ago. I just made a miniature, uh, 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 what you like a green roof, except it's on four by four posts, and it's raised up about four feet. And from the street, I got 10 on the front. So from the street, I, it just looks like, you know, some some uh, some aloes and some, some irises and cascading stuff and all. But you go around back, I put my trash cans under it. <laughs> and you can't see my trash. Everybody's got trash cans but me. I got a little, look like a little garden thing. Go around back, my trash cans are tucked up under it. Yeah, that's smart. Uh that's definitely a good idea. And I'm trying to think about for Halloween, you know, what I can get going there. <laughs> I've got, uh, you know, I've got some vines. I've got uh, actually Confederate jasmine. I just can't argue with when it blooms in the spring and it's great. the beauty of the scent. And I've got it just trailing down. It's coming down really well. But I need yep. to get, I need to start thinking about what I can hang from that thing on Halloween. All it takes is a couple of pumpkins with some faces drawn on them. There you go. You know, so anyway, hey, listen, y'all got something coming up, not next week, I don't think, but the week after that. At, uh, Mississippi State. This is the Ed Ed Mark. What's the what's the whole name of it? <laughs> we do. We have this is this is the Ed Edward C. Martin Jr. He taught here. He started the landscape architecture department at Mississippi State University, and he still rules it. Yes, he does. You know what? His uh, to be licensed as a landscape architect in Mississippi, they give you a number from the state. His number is number one. Yeah. <laughs> of course he he wrote the he wrote the book. He wrote the book that, <laughs> but, that we all learn from, for sure. But 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 y'all uh, supported by the Garden Clubs of Mississippi. Y'all have this big thing every fall. We do. We have a landscape symposium. We bring in speakers from around different parts of the United States and the region. And uh, this year, it's our 62nd one. Wow. Uh, it's been around a while. Uh, it's going to be at Bost Auditorium, which is one of the main buildings here on the MSU campus. Right uh, next to the football stadium. Right next to the football. Barnes & Nobles is right there, too. Uh, Wednesday, October 18th, so coming up in a couple of weeks in the morning from 9 to 12. Uh, and we're going to have uh, our, our main speaker is going to be John Mannion who's coming from Birmingham Botanic Gardens. Yeah. And he is the, uh, uh, I think, the call wildflower curator. Yeah, which is incredible. It's incredible. 
Yeah, great garden uh, and a very knowledgeable man. He actually is a botanist. He's got his, his degrees in botany, and uh, he's doing great stuff out there in Birmingham, and he's a fantastic speaker. He's really a lot of fun. Have you heard him speak before? No, I haven't. I met him one time. He was actually wandering around. Uh, I think he was in the fern glade when I met him. Yeah. He's he's all into ferns. As a matter of fact, part of his job is he's a he's a curator of endangered plants and reportedly some of the most endangered in the world, including the Tutwiler spleenwort. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be I'm trying to be polite here, but that's a funny sounding name, <laughs> Tut, Tutwiler. You know, Tutwiler's spleenwort, and I think a long time ago. Uh, what did they call that, Felder, when um, they thought the body parts, uh, you know, the plant, if a plant looked like a body part, then it was good for that body part? Yeah, yeah. I don't remember what the word yeah, was. But. Uh, so, you know, a ginger is supposed to be for the whole person because the kind of ginger root kind of looks like a person. So I'm wondering if spleenwort came from that, you know, supposed to be good for your singing internal organs of some sort. Or maybe shaped like a spleen, I don't know. Yeah, maybe so. But anyway, apparently there's not a f- lot left in Alabama, and one it's left in one location, and he knows where it is, and he his job is to protect it and to uh, also uh, conserve it and uh, propagate. But, now, but when he's at MSU, it's going to be talking about landscape type stuff. Yeah, yeah, he's talking he's going to talk really about native plants and kind of their history a little bit, uh, getting into stories about poke salad and uh, blood roots and yellow roots, and he'll probably be getting into all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay, and that's going to be the, you said the, not 17th. It'll be on the 18th. 18th. A that's Wednesday. a Wednesday. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, co-sponsored from the uh, Garden Clubs of Mississippi and uh, our department, Landscape Architecture and the Extension Service. We also have uh, Corey Gallo. He's a landscape architect in our department here, real talented, talented dude. He does a lot of stuff on artful water. Do you know what artful water stormwater techniques are? Yes, it's it's like uh, the visitor center there in Starkville. They've got they collect water and it doesn't just run down a, a rain thing. It goes down a, a courseway that's got wildflowers and stuff around it. It, it looks it, it's it's interesting part of the landscape. Yeah, and he actually helped design that. Uh, and it, you know, it's got some very neat approaches. You know, water. Uh, moves in the landscape, and we'll often use it in the landscape. But to be able to take rainwater and to do interesting things, simple little things, like just putting a little uh, couple of wine bottles that trail down from a roof gutter and let it kind of sprinkle down to the ground. Yep. Of course, they did that in China and Japan and uh, for a long time, uh, just uh, as, as part of a rain chain, you know, to come down from the roof. And he's got to show some, some fun examples of that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, he'll be showing some different examples, and, and importantly, why water is important to keep it clean uh, as it leaves your property, and make sure you're doing good kind of stuff. All right. Well, listen, I'm going to swing by and visit. I'm, I'm doing a thing on campus next next Friday, and uh, I'll shoot you an email. I want to come by and visit with you. And please. plus, I have a plant for your green roof, Bob. Oh, please do. I think you like it. So this is Wednesday the 18th of uh, the 62nd annual yeah. Ed C. Martin Landscape Symposium. You got it. Okay. And uh, I'll get some more information about it next week, too, Bob. But we got Scoop Man. Sounds good. Woo-hoo. Good talking to you. Hey, you still, you still got a puppy? Oh, yeah. Hug got him. plenty. Got huh? plenty. If you want some, if you want some uh, I'll, I'll send some along to you. Hug him, man. See you later, Bob. Thank <laughs> you so much, man. All right. Bye. Okay. That was Bob Bruzak. He's a professor of uh, landscape architecture. And they've got a uh, this, this thing put up by the guard. It's a lot of fun. 
and it's going to be on Wednesday the 18th at MSU at the Extension Auditorium right beside the football stadium. Uh, I've got some other events I want to talk about, some things coming up, and if you've got some you'd like me to share, you know, shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org, and we're going to be kicking around a bunch of ideas. Anyway, horticulture's fell to rushing. Uh, we've got your phone calls lined up. Give us a call, one eight seven seven mpb ring and a few other things to talk about, but mostly it's about getting dirty in the yard. We're going to take a break and come right back with more here at Mississippi Public Broadcasting right after this. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okay, folks, welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing. There's some things going on uh, that I'd like to uh, to share. Some things coming up. I make a f- quite a few presentations around the region to you know garden clubs and master garden groups and library talks and all like that. But uh, I had such a good, a, a fantastic time at the. Uh, the uh, the herb show at the Mobile Botanic Garden last week it was just really incredible and plus I got to meet Amanda Wilkins she's a curator of collections in other words she's a head gardener there uh, showed me her new pollinator garden it's really good um anyway coming up in uh, a, a couple of weeks something there's going to be a couple of plant sales the 25th annual Weeks Bay Native Plant Sale Weeks Bay is a is a is a nature preserve down south of Fairhope uh, Alabama it's going to be on Thursday October the 12th through Sunday October 15th. That's that's next week uh, from 9 to 4 every day. Uh, the plant sale is going to be uh, located Safe Harbor. It's at Weeks Bay, which is right across Highway 98 from the Reserve uh, Interpretive Center. You can't miss it. You know, get on Highway 98, go past, uh, down past, uh, uh, you know, down, down south, and you're going to find all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, by the way, I've got a plant in my front garden right now. My golden rise in full bloom. My native sunflowers in full bloom. But also, I've got that wild blue azuratum. It's an incredibly tough, durable pollinator, butterfly heavy native plant. It's in full bloom. Golden rod, sunflowers, uh, uh, wild azuratum. I got my azuratum at the uh, the Weeks Bay native plant sale last year. Uh, also, uh, they can have all sorts of experts there at hand to, to help you pick out great, great, good, valuable, useful native plants. The Mobile Botanic Garden is having its fall plant sale the next week, October 20 through 22nd. We're going to talk about that now. And uh, floral plant swaps coming up. Uh, there's a few other things. If you've got any other kind of event I can help promote, Shoot us an email here, garden at mpbonline.org. Before we go any further, let's jump back on some phones, talk with John. who has been hanging on for a while from Madison. Good morning, John. What's up? Good morning. Uh, I got the opportunity to go on a field trip to Alcorn State yesterday yeah. to their agricultural uh, research area, and there was a couple things that uh, I really noticed. One was uh, they're trying to do something commercially with sorrel. Yeah, yeah. Um, what can you tell me about that? I managed to score a few seeds, and, uh, and uh, I wanted to plant it uh, next spring, I guess. What do you know about sorrel? I, I don't know anything about planting it. I, I mean, it's, it's a great plant. It grows easily, but I don't know whether you plant the seeds in the spring or in the fall. It might be one that you plant right now. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know about its use commercially in the garden. I know you can eat the leaves, but I, I don't know anything else about it. Uh, well, the fellow, the research doctor there, I think, is from Jamaica, and he said they it was a it was a they made a drink out of oh, it. Oh, oh, oh! You talking about the one with that 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 kind of a maroon fruit looking thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an annual. That's an annual. Um, uh, and is 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 edible? 
I don't know any details, but I recognize it, and it's a pretty plant. It's, it gets pretty big and has those clusters of uh, sort of a juicy. They're not exactly fruits. I'm, you know, it's like a flower cluster of little fingernail-looking sliver, juicy maroon things. Yeah, it's real pretty, kind of like an okra. I think you. Yeah, it's, it's in that same family. Grandia family, yep. maybe. Yep. But I, okay. I don't. I don't have any information on it. You know, I've I've seen it. I've taken pictures of it. I've talked with people about it, but I've never tried it myself. Okay, well, I got a few seeds. I'll try it in the spring. Well, so shoot me an email because I mean I've got some good information about it. I just you know un- until I actually use something myself, it doesn't it doesn't stick with me. Okay. okay. Uh, the other thing I noticed, we we went to the goat farm uh, research area and all through the campus, and I didn't see the first fire ant bed. Is there some reason they don't have fire ants over there? No, they got fire ants. You just didn't see them. They pop up after when it rains really good is when they pop up. You know, and a lot of a lot of campuses, because of liability, you know, a lot of campuses uh, have a pretty active program. When, when a bunch of ants mounds pop up, they they put poison on them. Uh, you know, okay. but that that's you know a whole lot of places will, will do that. It, they might they probably do that too. But in the spring, you know, when when uh, we get some rains, you'll see the fire ants popping up. Okay, all right. Well, I'll shoot you an email about the fall. Thanks. Okay, appreciate it, John. Thank you so much. Okay, let's go to Mobile. Hey, Ronald, what's up? Hey, so the, uh, I got a question about satsuma trees. Where mine is more like a bush than a tree. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Last year I had a bumper crop. It was so it bore so heavy. I had to prop it up with boards and put stuff around it. And this year I haven't gotten so much as a bloom. Uh, could you give me a little insight on that? And I'll hang up and let you answer. Okay, I'm gonna have to make some educated guesses here. You know. All right. So I'm, I'm going to do that. First of all, a lot of fruits have what's called biennial bearing. They'll make a real heavy crop one year, and it wastes them so much that they'll skip a year sometimes, too. Pecans often have a good crop every four years and a nothing crop the next year, and then okay the next couple of years. But biennial bearing, a lot of times the plant stresses itself with too much fruit one year. Uh, the other thing is if we don't have the uh, right kind of weather, you know, they don't bloom right. Or if you don't have good pollinators, you know, for one reason, it might be raining a lot, which it did this past spring. When the plants are in bloom, if it's raining a lot, bees aren't going to work the flowers. You're not going to have as much fruit. So one thing I would suggest, though, you say it's more like a like a bush or a shrub. I would go out this winter and thin out some of the limbs. If you've got, you know, three limbs growing close to, cut one of them out. Don't leave a stub, just cut it out. And then when you thin out a few of the limbs, then thin a few branches off the limbs that are left. In other words, open it up a little bit. The energy that would have gone to what you cut off will go into what's left. and It'll grow a whole lot better. But uh, don't overall prune it. Just thin out a few limbs and then a few branches off what's left. That's that's what I would do. A little fertilizer in the spring wouldn't hurt either. But as far as I don't have fruit, you know, I'm going to guess it's a pollination problem. You know, might have been because of all the heavy rain when they were blooming. That's just that's my guess. Uh, let's go to Laurel now. Hey, Valerie, thanks for calling. Oh, thank you, Felder. Sure. I've got two questions. Um, I'm doing some landscaping, and I'd like something that has the nice little red berries in the wintertime. Uh-huh. And I I like the look of a winter berry. But I'm not finding it in the garden stores, and I'm wondering if there's a reason for that. Yeah, the reason is you're not going to find them at garden centers because they're not azaleas and crepe myrtles. And that's what people come in asking for, so that's what the garden centers order. Okay, you well, know, they so, grow around Laurel? Yeah, they're all over the place. You know, and you go out in, winter, winter, in the wintertime, drive along out in the country, along the hedge, the fence rows, full sun, and you'll see a lot of them just in groups here and there because uh, they grow best. These plants bloom best. And they have best berries when they're out in the 
hot sun. In the woods, they don't fruit as much. But anyway, you can get these okay. uh, online. Here's the deal, though. The, instead of winterberry, just stick with deciduous holly because we have two or three different species. And, you know, some do better than others. And they go by things like, uh, um, I'll just draw a total blank, possum hall. Possum hall is a common name for one of them. But you have to have not only just the ones that have berries, which are female, you have to have a male nearby so they can get pollen. Okay, that was my other question, because somebody told me that there's some new variety where you don't have to have a male, but that's not true, huh? Oh, uh, I don't I don't know. Could be. Could very okay. well be. Uh, you know, the, the, the plant, the holly that I like that's the most likely to produce a good heavy crop without being pollinated is a, a sort of an evergreen, uh, small finger, uh, little finger shaped leaves called foster holly. Foster holly is a nice little, it's got a good shape to it. It makes good berries without pollination, but it, it keeps its leaves as evergreen. Okay, that sounds like what I'm looking for. Well, Valerie, shoot me an email. You know, there, you know, there's again, there's different species as verticillata and I think glabra. I can't remember, but uh, places that sell these things also sell the pollinators. There's one, for example, called Southern Gentleman, and it's sold strictly <laughs> as a pollinator. Okay. <laughs> I wish I was Same, making huh? this up. I don't know. I ain't going there. I'm just saying. <laughs> But anyway, oh, uh, you, you can get them online. And also, uh, you're close enough there in Laurel. They're going to have a plant sale. Weeks Bay is having their plant sale next weekend uh, down south of Fairhope. And then okay. the and then the uh, Mobile Botanic Garden is having theirs a week after. There are always people selling these plants there. Okay, okay. A good oh, place to go. And that's cl- pretty close to Laurel. Yes, it is. Thank you so much. Okay, Valerie, appreciate your call. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Okay, and let's slide down to the Gulf Coast talk in Gulfport. Hey, Kay, good morning. Hey, good morning. Um, I recently placed down four pallets of St. Augustine, two of centipede on a bed of sandy clay and topsoil. Uh-huh. I'm looking to find recommendations for fertilizer. Okay, well, you came to the right place. I'm a turf guy, but I, and I don't sell anything, so I'm going to tell you the truth about it. It's too late to fertilize this year. Okay. Uh, but, and there's some reasons. I get into it, but your eyes just start bleeding and we'd all go to sleep. But the bottom line is, uh, by the time you got this sod, it has been pushed with fertilizer to get it to a market. See, uh-huh. So it's got enough fertilizer to get, to, to get you by now. Don't worry about that. In the spring, after it's been mowed a couple of times, we're talking about April, put down this stuff called centipede food. Even though you got St. Augustine, the stuff they sell is centipede food. Uh, the first and third numbers are the same with a zero middle number. A centipede food is long-lasting, slow-acting, gentle. It gives a good, steady, long-lasting push instead of that big rush that uh, a lot of the commercial fertilizers have. And it provides all the nutrients the centipede and St. Augustine need for the entire year. Okay. Inclu- including winterizer. So if you want to fertilize more than once a year, it's not recommended. But if you do, then f- follow up again in August. So April at the earliest, end of August at the latest to fertilize grass, or else you're going to run into some real predictable problems. And that's okay. that's pretty much the bottom line. I'm real sure about this. One last question. Um, several um, parts of the grass are actually under oak trees. Is yeah. there a reason to use lime or some other... Nope. Okay. No, uh, lime is used to to uh, neutralize very acidic soil on the Gulf 
coast is really not that acidic. I wouldn't really worry about it. What I would worry about is the fact that grass doesn't really grow well under trees unless it's already established. Trying to get grass started in the shade is really difficult. Kay, are you mowing your grass? Are you paying somebody or what? I, I, I mow it. Okay. Set your mower at the highest setting. Throw the wrench away. Always mow it high. Fertilize with the centipede food sometime in April, and you're done with it for the year. Perfect. I appreciate all your help and enjoy the show. Okay. And you can hear some stuff that's different, you know, but keep in mind, I'm trained. I don't sell nothing. And I appreciate that, too. <laughs> okay, Kay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. It's, uh, you know, I sounded a little aggressive there, didn't I, Java? I mean, you know, I, I'm, the, I'm the kind of person where if I know – if if I – I I love to learn new stuff. If somebody tells shows me something new, I will adopt that quickly. I will turn on a dime. But if I'm sure of something, I ain't gonna back down. Let's let's play an anthem about that by a guy named Tom Petty. Bless his heart.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okay, dope folks, welcome back to Horticulture's Fellow Rushing. Got a call before we went on the air today. A fellow said he's got a crepe myrtle tree that wants to be a tree, but it keeps wanting to be a bush. And it's so funny, ironic, because most people have crepe myrtles that want to be a tree and they keep pruning them down into bushes. Uh, here's the deal, though. If it wants to be a shrub type, sort of spreads out with arching branches, a little small rounded type thing, that's the nature of that plant. Uh, the, about the only thing you can do would be to cut off branches that are growing downward and leave only the ones that are growing upward. You know, it's called directional pruning. If you've got a plant that's growing a particular direction, you can encourage it to keep going that direction by cutting everything else off. In other words, if you've got five branches, if you cut off things without leaving a stub, they won't branch back out. So you cut off the things that are curving downward and leave the ones that are sort of going upward, and that'll help somewhat. But keep in mind that some crepe myrtles were bred to be low, moundy, even uh, shrub-type things. Some are designed to be upright, and you cannot make those be shrubs without pruning. So a lot of times it just depends on the on the variety you've got the shape it wants to be, and either go on with that flow or plant something else. But again, directional pruning helps a bit. Hey, uh, Jonas, uh, Java, I'm so sorry. Why do I keep saying Jonas? I don't know, man. I, uh, I really I, I really don't know. Okay, but I do know you've got a boy and a girl. <laughs> yes, I do. And today is uh, my son Java's birthday. He turns five today. Java Jr.? Yes, that's right. Java Jr. got a little alliteration going there. Well, happy birthday, <laughs> Java Jr. By the way, speaking of alliteration, how about this? Clara Curtis Chrysanthemum, Kale and Compost. What? <laughs> <laughs> Those are things on my mind this morning. I realized, you know, that that's alliteration. I'll start with C. Uh, compost. This is the, I saw some people when I was walking in having the grass mowed by some uh, mow and blow crew. And they're bagging these clippings up because they've got grass clippings and uh, chopped up tree leaves and put them on the curb. These are perfect compost starters. If you want a leaf pile of compost, get you some where somebody's bagged up some some uh, chopped up grass clippings with chopped up leaves in there and pile them up. And they will make beautiful, beautiful compost over the wintertime. Fantastic time to start a leaf pile. So that's my compost thing. Uh, kale. I went to a garden center the other day. I showed you a picture earlier. I've got a purple kale. I've got that blue uh, lacinata kale, and I've got some burgundy mustard. I mean, I fill my Jeep full, and I'm going to plant those this weekend. But it's a time to start sending out kale and mustard and turnips and things like that. And and uh, my favorite kale is the blue kind. It's called a lacinata. Some people call it uh uh, Tuscan Blue. It's a beautiful plant. It's tasty, but it is the one of the toughest, prettiest wintertime plants. The purple kale, the blue kale, they're just fantastic uh, uh, garden plants, even in pots. And the Clara Curtis, there's a, a, a chrysanthemum that's not the cushion mums that sell, you know, the little roundy, moundy things with the pretty flowers. This is a it's a different species of chrysanthemum. It's called morifolium. It's got bigger leaves, but they have flowers that are big daisies, and they're they're pink. Clara Curtis is a, sort of a lavender pink, and uh, it starts blooming in later October, November. No care at all. A very hardy, durable, top ten hardy 
fall-blooming perennial called Clara Curtis. Some people call her country girls. Uh, but anyway, I came back when I was in Alabama last week. I came back. I swung by a, a garden center uh, slash nursery um, called Petals from the Past, and I picked up seven different kinds of that mum. So Clara Curtis is is good, but I've got a white one now. I've got a red one. I've got a burgundy one. I've got two yellow ones. Uh, so anyway, I'm trying to find plants that do well in our part of the country that are hard to find commercially, get them established, spread them around gardeners, and then see if we can't get them into uh, get them into production. Hey, you want to give us a call? It's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. Um, give us a call. Shoot us an email, garden at mpbonline.org. Uh, Java, you haven't been to the state fair yet. No, not yet. And this is, I know it kind of goes quickly if you don't participate. Yeah, It'll be it, gone next week. Yeah, just it just opened Wednesday. Uh, I went down there. I've been down there twice. Got me some, uh, I stopped by and visited my old friend, uh, William Patton. He and his family have been uh, doing that roasted corn. He's oh, a, yeah. He's, he's a retired uh, horticulturist from, uh, or, uh, agronomist from, uh, from Alcorn State. And uh, they've got the best roasted corn, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. And then uh, Percy uh, Percy King. Yeah, the animal animal you, guy. You yeah. know Percy? Oh, oh, yes, I know Percy very well. Believe it or not, uh, I want to say once upon a time we were neighbors. Oh, well, he's such a cool guy. And, you know, he's got, you know, the pears. He's got reptiles and stuff. He, You know, he used to be, uh, be a curator there at the zoo. Mm-hmm. And uh, he has an incredible little thing right there on the on on the uh, the midway, right by the big slide, right by the big slide. You know, as y'all <laughs> swing by, you know, Percy, he's got the dreads and all that. You know, all wears that safari hat. Yeah, he'll put the put the put the big uh, the python on your shoulders. <laughs> yeah, or, 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 or a lizard if you want to. But anyway, if y'all swing by, tell Percy that Java and I said hey. Oh yeah, the fair is always a good thing, and people always. I don't know if the fair brings the weather or if the weather brings the fair because I, we get that fair snap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, usually it starts out hot. And matter of fact, it's going to be brutal today. But before it's over, you're right. People are wearing uh, sweaters and stuff. But uh, I want to brag on something. I shouldn't, but I, I'm going to. Is Especially, it yourself? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's, uh, I'm almost embarrassed about this. You know, they have the State Flower Show every year down there. It's tucked away back in the back of the trademark. And it's sponsored. It used to be the, the, garden, the Men's Garden Club. Uh, which I was president twice, but now it's the Gardeners of Jackson. And, um, you know, I try to put some flowers. It's really interesting. It's amateurs. People bring in some of their potted plants. They clean them up. They put them out there. And those that are really nice, they get a little blue ribbon. And um, my my friend uh, Bill has always had the big Big plants. He brings them on a trailer and everything, and he gets the always gets the 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 best of show ribbons. Bill Taylor. He's got a huge ponytail palm. Well, on a whim the other day, just on a whim, I put my old weeping fig, which is over forty years old, and Big Jim, my rubber plant, which is forty three years old. I put them in the back of my truck, tied them down, took them down there, just as a whim, because I just wanted to participate. And uh, lo and behold, my, my big old rubber, tr- my uh, weeping fig, 40 years old, got the best in show ribbon. See, I, the, I'm the greatest. <laughs> there, I said it. As a testament to, to when you participate. And you yeah. were, you just on a whim, like you say. Yeah. And matter of fact, I, I had something in uh, in today's Claire and Ledger uh, before I knew that I got in the, uh, uh, the, the award. Um, you know, I used to have this, this bumper sticker said, Gourds must predominate. 
You know, the American Gourd Society handbook had a chapter on how to present gourds in flower arrangements, and their motto was gourds must predominate. But anyway, floral competitions can be real complicated and real snazzy. Philadelphia flower show, Chicago flower show, Chelsea flower shows. I go, I'm a flower show judge. I get all that. But the the reason I like the one in Jackson, because it's less competitive, it's local, it's more about encouraging local gardeners to show what they can do in a venue that even the loners out there, garden loners, don't belong to clubs, they can safely participate in a bigger community. Um, my grandmother, Louise, used to keep all her ribbons in folders. I got a handful of mine stapled to my office wall. But in the end, it's about holding up your horticultural head, proclaiming, I'm here. I did this. And uh, anyway, if you get a chance to go on the state fair, um, go back to the back of the trademark building, look at Bill Taylor's great big ponytail palm, and then just bask in the glory of, of my weeping fig, which I didn't do nothing to. I, all I did was water. I gave it some fertilizer spring, and I watered it. I dusted it off, and so it wasn't me. The The plant wanted on its own. So is it, it's it's going to be down there for the entire fair? Yeah, it's got that big old big old tri, big old ribbon hanging right off of it. <laughs> okay, I'm going I'm to have to shoot down there uh, during the lunch. You know, you get in for free for lunch. Yeah. So it's always tons of people down there. And I'm going I'm to go check out your, your hey, award-winning l- plant. Let me know when you're going down there, and I'll go down there and pose with you for a selfie in front of this award, top award. <laughs> oh. Shut up, Felder. We got, we, while we wait for calls, you gave me another um, cheesy tune Let's, about... What we're talking about? Let's let's do that while the calls give us a call one eight seven seven MPB ring. Our state fair is a great state fair. Don't miss it, don't even be late. Boom, 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 it's dollars to donuts. That our state fair is the best state fair in our state. Now, I always come come to you, Fred. I'm like, where where do you get this stuff, man? Where do you get this stuff, man? It sticks to me. I, I ran into a couple last night. We had this little thing downtown, Fondren. I live in a community called Fondren. And uh, we have a little thing with music and all on first Thursday nights. And anyway, this couple came up to me there. And I can't believe it's Felder. I can't believe it's Felder rushing. And I said, well, you know, I'm just an old guy standing here listening to music, drinking a beer. and Because uh, I walked there. But anyway, they said that they... When they moved to Mississippi, they tuned to MPB, and the first thing that they noticed was the cheesy music. It's a staple, man. You got it. I mean, come on. Where else on public broadcasting can you hear a garden party with Tom Petty and then our state fair from Vivian Blaine and Luann Hogan? Yep, that's right. That's right. And uh, we got some more coming up. But meanwhile, let's get back to work here. I'm having too much fun. Let's go down to Fairhope. Hey, Al, how are you, sir? Doing fine this morning. How are you, sir? So far, so good. I'm starting to get a little giddy there. What's up? Uh, I have uh, a property. I have a rental property. And uh, most of them are older homes where they have some really old uh, shrubbery like uh, camellia bushes. And I'm asking specifically... Uh, I had a, a, a large uh, camellia bush, I'm guessing about eight feet tall, uh, really mature, and I'm guessing it was at least 60 years old. Uh-huh. Uh, the old gentleman that used to own the property was in the Mobile Camellia Society and uh, won awards and what have you. But anyway, uh, a tenant without my permission and uh, 
severely cut limb starting at the bottom, yeah, more than halfway up to make it look like a tree, yeah, and uh, you know cut those limbs back to the trunk. Uh, it, of course, it upset me terribly, but uh, it can't be undone. Yeah, they can't stick them back on. Matter of fact, uh, I hate to say this, but they just did a bunch of little gem magnolias. One of my favorite compact shrub magnolia. Full bloom, gorgeous all the way to the ground. They just did it. They look like lollipops right now. That's right. But uh, anyway, not much you can do about it. Uh, you know, if you wanted to, you could actually cut the camellia. If it looks bad, you know, sometime, you know, let it go ahead and bloom this winter because it'll still be one that's left. But sometime in the late winter, spring, you can actually cut it down to a foot, two feet, three feet tall or whatever, and it'll quickly sprout back out and become a shrub again. Yeah, but it won't be the same stature that it was. Well, it could be because, you know, when you cut the top of it off, those roots are still there. So when it puts out new yeah. growth, it's going to take five or six weeks, and your neighbor's going to, you know, everybody's going to think you're out of your mind. But when it does, those things will jump. And then you can come back uh, this time next year and thin some of those out so you have basically major trunks again, and it'll quickly mm-hmm. be a pretty good-sized plant. What they did, it doesn't look that horrible, I hate to say it, but it, to me it was just a, almost blasphemous. I mean, you know. Yeah, I, I know. It's like cutting a magnolia. I, I totally get it. But I can't say anything because my boss did this. <laughs> anyway, anyway, keep going. Keep going. You know, Help. I just, uh, so I'll just leave it alone for right now. Yeah. And it bloomed through the winter. And it was loaded with blooms. I'd, I'd actually taken a little time while the property was vacant a yeah. little fertilizer on it, you know, back in the spring. Yeah. Well, if uh, you, you know, if you fertilize this, you know, it, it's going to actually do fine. But, but if it looks too bad, again, this is called rejuvenation pruning. They they I do see. it around his they do it around historic buildings. Doesn't yeah. hurt the plant to cut it back, and it will again. If you'll thin, when it sprouts back out, go in and thin out all but three or four or five of what's there, and they will really really jump. Well, that makes me feel a lot better. And uh, uh, I, if, if this ends up not being very attractive, I may 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 give that uh, rejuvenation pruning up. Or, or come out in front of it and plant you something smaller to fill it in, some nandinas or some azaleas or spirea, something like that, you know, out in front of it like a skirt. That'll help. They did it so they could see better from the front porch, and that, that would really <laughs> probably irritate me if I planted something. Well. Well, but you know, if, if you plant something like a, there's a type of nandina called compacta, it only gets about four feet tall, and it fills in really well with real pretty winter berries. That might be, that's a good idea. Yeah, right. just come out in front of that. They, they, that way they can see over them. Yeah, very good. Calm well, down, fine. Al. It's okay. Can't put them back on. Let's move on. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> Appreciate your call, man. Thank you, sir. All right, and folks, don't forget that there's a lot of uh, plant sales and stuff going on, and if you ha- know of any that I can help promote, shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. Now, let's go to uh, Mobile. Hey, Valerie, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? So far, so good. Sound awful cheerful this morning, though. Oh, I am. It's a beautiful day. <laughs> Can't help it. It is. What's up? Well, I just wanted to find out if it's too late to put a pre-emergent herbicide out on the grass. Probably is, uh, you know, because here it is, middle of October. A lot of the winter weed seeds, and the primers don't help on perennials like uh, like dandelions and and uh, uh, those kind of things. Um, so it only affects those that sprout from seed. And you know, by the middle of October, they pretty well already started sprouting. Okay, it's. I mean, it's not too late, but if it's not too late, it's getting there. So if you're going to do it, I'd go ahead and get it done this weekend. Well, it's mainly. Uh trying to get the, 
the sticker weed, the bird, I think oh, yeah. bird weed, something yeah. like that. That's, yeah. Um, yeah. The stickers. Uh, if you got stickers, it tells you you probably need to raise your lawnmower uh, it, to mow. The thicker the grass, the fewer the weeds you're going to have. You can also okay. uh, spray those if they really have, a, if they cause a lot of problems. That are you can spray for those in the middle of the winter, December, January, early February. They look like little ferns, and your grass will be nearly dormant. So you can sp- use a liquid spray when they're smaller. Oh. And that'll control them before they, because okay. the stickers of the season. If you can yeah. spray the plant, um, that might help. Okay. Good luck on it. All right. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. All righty. Now let's slide up to Cosesco. Hey, Martha, good morning. Good morning. What's up? Well, I have a wildflower question. Mm-hmm. Uh, my daughter went to Texas last March, and she got some uh, blue bonnet seeds. Yeah. And I'm wondering, will they live here and grow? Well, no, probably not. Matter of fact, they don't grow that well in East Texas. You start seeing them out in the hill country uh, because they, they, they need two things that we don't have here. Uh, they need drier conditions we have. Uh, it's like a it's like a wild lupin type thing. It makes its own fertilizer. It likes alkaline soil and, and really miserable growing conditions. So we've got more rainfall, acidic soil. So anyway, you can plant them as now. Plant the seeds now, and they can bloom in the spring, but they won't reseed as well as they do out in the real bare uh, hill country type uh-huh. areas. And also, uh, what about a... Uh, coneflowers. When would you plant them here? And well, you know the the all the different kind of coneflowers, black eyed susan, purple coneflowers, all those things. You know they do they do great here as garden plants. See, so you can get the you can actually plant the seeds now, and they have time to sprout, or else you can save some of those and plant them in the spring. I just wouldn't plant them in the middle of the winter because if they sprout on a warm day, they could be too tender to take their freeze. So let's get them started right away. And save a few to plant again in the spring, but I'd put the blue bonnet seeds out right now because they they they're like um, uh, sort of like dandelions. They grow over the winter. They bloom in the spring, set seed, and then they die down. Uh, can you just sort of quickly tell me uh, basically how to do that? How to yeah? They 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 need bare dirt, you know. So it'll kind of work up an area, you know, in a sunny area. Uh, kind of work up a little dirt. Sow the seeds on there, tamp them in, wet them down, walk away. That's that's all it takes. You know, they're just the weeds. <laughs> Let's go to Jerry and Weston. Hey, Jerry, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Good. How are you? And so far, so good. What can I help you with? I have some loquat seedlings, mm-hmm. and I just need to know what to do with them, where do I plant them, and how do I take care of them. Well, you know, loquats get pretty big. You know, even the, even you know, the further north you go, the smaller they get. You know, but they're they're almost like small trees. They're big bushes, uh-huh. so you need to put them wherever they can get big. They're hard to keep pruned, and they they bloom really really early in the spring, almost late winter. And a late freeze in Wesson can kill the flowers. You may not get any fruit on them, uh-huh. but the main thing is put them out where they can get big. They're they're big, pretty plants, but they're they're big. Okay. Uh, they, do they need full sun? or they'll, they'll do best. You know, they're nice, big, and they don't need a lot of water. They're really drought tolerant, but, again, they, they just need sunshine. And I'd go ahead and plant them uh, as soon as you can, where they can, but, again, where they can get big. All right. Thank you. All right. I appreciate your call. Whew, a lot of stuff, cheesy music and all. Oh, yeah, Felder. And we got a special request, and we might have to put it up on the website. 
What's that? Remember when uh, Susan was talking about your pe- your purple kale? Yeah. We got a request for it. <laughs> <laughs> we, we will do that, folks. By the way, I got a friend who's night blooming serious bloom the other night. If you get a chance to get down to the State Fair, go back to the back of the trademark building and look at Bill Taylor's big old ponytail palm, but look at my 40-year-old weeping fig that got best in. Shut up, Felder. Get you some of William Patton's roasted corn. Tell Percy, uh, Percy King that we said, hey, me and Java. And uh, if you get a chance, take a kid to the state or to a garden center or to a farmer's market. You know, enjoy. This is the public broadcasting's urge to get out and connect with your garden, connect with other people. Show folks how we do our best at getting dirty. Horticulture's Felder Rushing, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We'll be back the same time next week. Hopefully calm down a little bit more. 